Pittsburgh. The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Should I go lower? Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-919-1316 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina back in the studio. Check him out on Twitter at FBomber73. And please tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Baseball's Commissioner Rob Manfred was just on MLB Network, and he said that there will be baseball this year 100%. Okay, I know that. Everyone who's listening to you knows that. Now get it the frig done. We all know, because we're smart baseball fans who listen to the Crowley Show, where you get so well-informed every day, that Rob Manfred has the ability to mandate that players return and play a 48-game schedule. So long as the players get the prorated salary, he can mandate that they show up, that they have to play, that the sport is going to go on. Now, I'm wondering if he's saying this with confidence because he knows that the next offer by the owners is going to be the one that the players accept. Or if it's just because of the mandate where he's saying, okay, it's going to be 100% that we play baseball. But my problem has never been whether or not they're going to play. My question has never been, is baseball going to happen this year? I think I come down where a lot of other people come down, and that's here. I want baseball, and I want it as soon as humanly possible, because we've been waiting since March friggin' 12th for sports to come back. The NCAA tournament got yanked away from us. We haven't had the Stanley Cup playoffs in Pittsburgh now for the first time in 13 years in the spring. Spring has come. It's gone. No Stanley Cup playoffs. The NBA playoffs, not that a lot of you care, but I care, gone. We've seen golf majors not happen. The Masters not happen. A myriad of other sports events that we love, we haven't seen. And... Ever since March 12th, there's been a countdown in all of our heads, people who love sports and proclaim to love sports, until we're going to see team sports come back into our lives. American team sports. God bless the KBO. Uh, I watched like four games, then I was done. (laughs) Brian told me I would. God bless Bundesliga soccer. I've been very interested. I've gambled heavily on Bundesliga soccer, but it does not get my blood pumping like Yankees Red Sox. Like Pirates, Cubs, Cardinals, Reds. I mean, I don't care. Just give me a game. Give me American team sports. And we've been counting it down, and we've been waiting, and we've been impatient. And the sport that we knew could come back the fastest was baseball. Because baseball, inherent in the sport, you have social distancing. The second baseman's going to play second base. And the first baseman's going to play first. And the shortstop's going to be far away from the third baseman and the second baseman. And the catcher and the batter, they got to get kind of close, but they're social distancing everywhere else. My God, baseball can come back and play in empty ballparks, and it's going to be relatively safe. 
and you don't really need the contact. Dudes can shower at home. You're going to be tossing the ball. Wash your hands between innings. We're going to keep from spitting, right? My God, we can do baseball. And the only thing that needs to happen is there needs to be an agreement between the union and the owners. And the frustrating thing is that we knew where the owners and the players could meet in the middle this whole time, but they're just refusing to do so. Like, I think we've all thought somewhere between 70 and 82 games prorated, maybe with some deferred payments, and this thing would get done from a monetary standpoint. And that's exactly where mother bleepers were going to wind up. But now we've, we've peed away the beginning of July as the potential start of the baseball season. And it friggin' pisses me off. It makes me so upset that we could have had a bridge to hockey here, right? That's what baseball is good for in Pittsburgh. It's a bridge to hockey or from hockey to football. And this year we could have had sports that lead us back into the thing that we hold nearer and dearer to our hearts, hockey. And we might not have that now. Because the latest proposal from Major League Baseball's Players Association is we're going to start back up on July 10th. Well, with every passing day that there's not an agreement, that just gets pushed further and further along, and we know that the NBA playoffs start on July 31st, and we know that the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to start sometime, or at least the qualifying round, in August. And all I wanted was something before that. I'm wearing a Pirates t-shirt right now. I'm wearing a Pirates ball cap right now. I'm excited about the possibility of baseball, and by this time of the year normally... It's when I'm about to take my Pirates gear off because they're starting to suck. Or, excuse me, we have one more month before they're going to start to suck, right? Josh Bell's going to fall off the cliff, yada, yada. Baseball can have me back this year if they're the first sport. And I'm going to be more invested than I've been at any point in the Pirates since probably 2015 if you just give it to me. And there's also more in excitement here because the playoffs are going to, in all likelihood, be expanded unless it's mandated by Rob Manford that they have to go back and play. In that case, there probably won't be expanded playoffs because the players' union is going to be pissed. But the Pirates are going to have more of a chance because of that. You're going to have a shortened season. I've seen a couple of people point out on Twitter. I wrote a blog about this a month ago. The Pirates could have a better chance to be a contender with the shortened season. I'm excited about baseball, but you got to give it to me. Because what I hate is having a dream dangled and then it be taken away. Like, you ever get stood up? That's what Major League Baseball is doing right now. Ooh, I'm going to go on a date. I might get lucky. Crown Man might not be alone on a Friday night with a bottle of wine in his hand. Oh, sorry, I've said too much because I've got a date tonight. And then what happens, you go to the restaurant, they're not there, and, well, you've been disappointed. If I knew I was going to have to be home alone with the bottle of wine, that's really not the worst thing in the world. But when you're promised the potential of something greater happening, and then you're at home alone with the bottle of wine, it doesn't exactly feel as good after that point. You feel like there's a dangled dream, and then that's pulled and yanked away. Yank being the operative word here for my Friday night. And it's even more frustrating. That's what Major League Baseball is doing to us right now. We know where they can meet in the middle. We also know that they can be the first sport back. And they're just deeing around. It's very frustrating. And I know that there are baseball fans like me throughout the country that grew up loving the sport, but that also like other things more. I'm a hockey fan first. 
I'm a football fan first, college and pro. But I love baseball, and there's nothing better than a random Tuesday in the summertime and sitting on your back porch with a cold one listening to the radio broadcast of your favorite baseball team. That is awesome. It's even better now because we haven't had it for so long. And what happens is the further and further they push this back, the closer and closer you get to hockey and basketball and the less novelty there's going to be. And shame on them for letting it get to this point. People keep wanting to talk about whether the owners are going to be the losers here or the players are going to be the losers here. The real losers are guys like you and me who are wearing their Pirates t-shirts right now and their Pirates ball caps. I'm going to cut my grass tonight. I'm going to smell the cut grass. It's hot as all get out. we wear wearing my bucko cap. It's summer, and there's no baseball. Because they got to have a urination contest. We've all known where they're going to wind up the whole time, and they haven't been able to get it done. Like, hockey's taking so long because they don't know where they're going to play. Because it's tough to find ice in August. And you want to see where the COVID numbers go. Hockey's got shiz to figure out. And the NBA was just reported today. There are some players that are like, we don't like the Orlando hub idea. We don't want to be away from our families for that long. And there was a long conference call. And maybe there's going to be a wrench in that plan. But the problem with Major League Baseball isn't they don't know where to play. They're going to play in their home ballparks. It isn't that they don't have a playoff format. They'll they'll be fine. It's that they can't agree on the labor stuff. And it's because the owners, in my opinion, who've got billions of dollars, like the owner of the Cardinals who says, oh, it's not a profitable industry, he's worth $4 billion. Each team makes roughly on average, this is me doing math, like $333 million a year. Oh, it's not a profitable industry. Guys like him, they don't want to lose money. You're already going to lose money. But they don't want to lose more money. All along they've known how much they're going to have to lose and how much the players are going to be willing to budge. We've known the whole time, and they're not willing to lose money, even though they're billionaires, and they could absolutely lose money. Meanwhile, players' careers are finite. I do blame the owners more. But even so, the last player's proposal was one that was made specifically so that the owners could come back and then say somewhere between 70 and 82. They didn't want to be the ones to say, okay, we'll do 70 prorated, let's go. No, they want the damn owners to have to say it's childish on both sides. And we, the fans, are the biggest losers. Pirates fans are used to losing, though. We've talked a lot about Bob Nutting on this show because, unfortunately, with every Pirates conversation, it just comes with the territory but the pirates don't only suck because they're unwilling to spend money the mlb draft is tonight i'm looking forward to watching it actually after i cut the grass uh, because i'm going to get to see highlights of dudes playing baseball it'll be fun the pirates drafting and development has been abhorrent it's been cleveland browns-esque the browns since they've come back in the league have drafted terribly. Justin Gilbert in the top 10 winds up getting traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That guy had an attitude problem, and he sucked out loud. 
there are countless other examples. Brandon Whedon, who was a 47-year-old quarterback getting drafted in the first round. Uh, you have Johnny Manziel getting drafted late in the first round. You're talking about quarterbacks. You hand the keys of the franchise over to guys who just can't cut it in the National Football League as starting caliber quarterbacks. One guy whose head wasn't on straight enough. And the list goes on and on. The Cleveland Browns, it's not like they don't operate under the same salary cap as every other team in the NFL. Because they do. But they suck every year. Why? Because they can't draft. Well, the Pirates, they operate under their own self-imposed salary cap, which means that talent, recognition, and development are even more important for the Pirates than really anybody else. Rob Beertemple of The Athletic wrote today, of the 33 players that have Pirates ties that are in the Hall of Fame, none of them were drafted by the team. It's ridiculous. Now, Barry Bonds obviously would be in the Hall of Fame if he didn't shove needles up his backside, and Andrew McCutcheon was for five straight years in the top five voting in the MVP in the National League. These guys were drafted by the Pirates. But the Pirates took Brad Lincoln in the 2006 draft, and Andrew Miller and Clayton Kershaw went a few picks after. Now, I'm sure the Pirates would have ruined Clayton Kershaw because I have talked about player development, but that's the best pitcher of this generation, and they passed up for him. They passed up on him, excuse me, for Brad Lincoln. In 2007, Daniel Moskis at pick four. Now, money does play into this, right? Because you get Moskis at four because you you know he's a reliever, and they admitted that at the time, for God's sake. And you know he's going to be able to be signed. But Moskis goes four, and Baumgartner goes at ten. Jason Hayward goes at 14. Matt Wieters goes the pick right after Moskis. Any one of them would have been a better pick. Pedro was good for the Pirates. Better than people think. Led the NL in homers for a year. Had a better Pirates career than people realize. Was he Buster Posey? No. Hosmer? Nope. 09, they took Tony Sanchez. And Mike Trout went 25th. Now, everyone sucked that year. But Tony Sanchez was not a good baseball player. In 2010, the Bucks took Jamison Tyon. He's been good when healthy. Very much James Conner, right? But the next pick was Manny Machado. Chris Sale picked 13. Mark Appel gets drafted in 2012. Pirates couldn't even sign him, and he didn't work out even for the Astros. So had he been drafted and signed with the Pirates, still would have sucked. Because if you can't work out with Houston, you can't obviously work out with the Pirates. David Dahl, All-Star, Addison Russell, Lucas Giolotto, Corey Seager, Michael Walker, Marcus Stroman, they all went in the first round of 2012. 2013 was good for the Bucks. They got Austin Meadows. Then they traded his ass. So there are other reasons besides just the money thing why the Pirates have not been good and only had three winning seasons since I've been a a fan that's been cognizant of knowing what's going on. The drafting and development of the Pittsburgh Pirates has been horrendous for years. And it's one of the reasons why I was a little bit weary of them hiring Ben Sherrington. Ben Sherrington turned the Sox from first to worst because he went out on a free agent frenzy that offseason and they go out and win the World Series... His drafting in Boston was not good. He got Jackie Bradley Jr. with pick like 40 or something like that in the compensation round in his first year. But other than that, first couple of rounds, not a lot of success. Didn't have to have that success in Boston. You have to have it in Pittsburgh. Can Ben Sherrington help the Pirates 
recognize talent better? And can his administration build that talent? Those are the questions I have for Charrington, and it starts tonight with the MLB draft. we got Not Corona Talk coming up next. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania, if you love online poker, here's your game. Poker Stars, the world's number one poker site, is live in PA. Download the Poker Stars app or play online at pokerstars.com. PA only in partnership with Bonary, 21 and over. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ah, Tom. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Great. You don't sound Wow, you sound I'm great. outstanding. What the hell's wrong with you? I haven't had a day this good in, whew, long time. That sounds sarcastic. No, it's serious. Love my life. You saying it's serious sounded sarcastic, too. Oh, it's serious, all right. That sounded... Am I wrong? I'm just happy to be Black. up here. <laughs> I'm just happy to be up here. Let's just say that. Check out ESPN Pittsburgh's new and improved signal in Allegheny County on 106.3 FM. The same great programming with Tunch and Wolf, The Godfather, and Adam Crowley, but with a bigger, better signal in Allegheny County. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM. And now on the new and improved 106.3. to 58. He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm so annoyed by Major League Baseball, and I feel like every day I give the same take on this. I really do. Like two or three times a show. <laughs> it's not that Major League Baseball is not going to have an agreement. It's just how long are they going to pee in each other's direction before the agreement happens, and then how long are we going to have to wait for baseball? I do a sports radio show, and I'm not saying that I'm liking content. That's not it. I do a sports radio show, which means I love sports. So I miss sports. And, man, I don't know if you ever could have told me, Crowley, you go three months without sports. It would have had to be some sort of monetary value you'd have to put on it, right? Crowley, I'd pay you 30 k 80 k to not watch sports for three months. Will you do it? And if you would have told me that the things I had to miss were the NCAA tournament and the Stanley Cup playoffs and a little bit of baseball in the Masters. Uh, I mean, I got a daughter, so I'm taking the 80K, but 30K, I don't know, man. And baseball had an opportunity to put an end to all this. And by the 4th of July, which is now in less than a month, they could have been like, yeah, we're playing ball. F you. Because they know where they want to wind up. Major League Baseball's owners know that they're going to have to pay like 70 games prorated. And Major League Baseball's players know that they're going to have to play like 70 games, 80 games maybe prorated. Both both sides know where it's going to land. And they've known this since the beginning. And they started negotiating this like a month ago. A little bit before that, maybe even. And here we are, still on June 10th. They could have easily been back by the 4th of July. Easily been back by the 4th of July. And they're not going to be. And now they're getting pushed closer and closer to when the NBA playoffs are coming back. That it just makes me mad. It's not about whether or not they're going to play baseball. Rob Manfred just said, 100%, we're playing baseball this year. Yeah, I know. You knew. Players knew. Everyone knew. 
Buster only for the number of times he said, there's not going to be baseball this year. He knew. When he's saying that, that's just the owners trying to posture through him. And John Heyman and Buster Olney, they've all been sucking at the teat of these owners. It's just embarrassing, those guys. John Heyman just carries the mail for the owners. I want to punch that guy in the face. Because these media members nationally that are carrying the water for the owners, they shift the court of public opinion against the players. And the players were told, we're going to get prorated money, and they are going to wind up getting prorated money, by the way. And they're vilified because of it, because dudes like John Heyman like to hold the jocks of these owners. The whole thing makes me so mad. And I'm a sweaty mess in my guest bedroom, and I'm wearing a Pirates t-shirt and a Pirates hat. And I was wearing these things because I liked the proposal that the Players Association put out there last night. But it's going to be another week or so in all likelihood. And that means it's going to be another week or so until we get baseball. Which means it's going to be like July 15th or 20th. Which is, what, 10, 11, 12 days before we get the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, great. It's before that. But it's still not where it could have been. And baseball let me down. Uh, I'm a Pirates fan, so I guess I should be used to baseball letting me down. But baseball's let me down again. Let's do not Corona talk. I'm chagrined. If you talk Corona, then I'm gonna have to bone ya. That that's it. That's all I got today. Well, Tom's having a tough one. I can do it again. Yeah, do it one more time. If you talk Corona, well, I'm gonna have to bone you. It's true too. Don't talk Corona. I'm not gonna talk. Don't about you? It. You bet. You especially no. better not, because you're in striking distance, my no, friend. No, I actually got a serious up for what I'm about to do, because I want to talk about something that happened way in the past, and a lot of people, oh, that's way in the past. That kind of thing could never happen again. I want to talk about a place called Black Wall Street. It was the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So back in the 20s, this is a very prosperous black community. It had numerous black businesses. And, and when I say that, it sounds weird in this day and age, but back then that never happened. And this was an entire community based on, on black people supporting themselves and, and having their own thriving community, making money, making livings, raising their kids, and, and, and enjoying some of the better things in life. And the people in this area just, well, the white people just wanted nothing to do with this. They didn't like the fact that uh, all of this prosperity was going down when, in fact, some of the guys, one guy was quoted, one of the uh, the city council at the time, how dare these people have grand pianos in their house when I don't have one in mine? So that, that gives you the, kind of the attitude that went on back then. So as this tension is going on, there was a young man who, uh, by the last name of Roland, he went into an elevator. Right? He came across this uh, woman with the last name of Paige, a white woman. Now, he was in this elevator because he was allowed to go upstairs to the top floor and use the bathroom. Now, <laughs> what that means is that there was no other place in the town that he could use a bathroom. And, and where he worked, like he did construction, so he was outside of the area of Greenwood District. 
So, but he was allowed by some people to use this bathroom. So he had to go in, get on the elevator, go up. Well, when he got on, there was a white woman on this elevator. And the door shut. There was a scream. Doors open. He went running out. That's the story that was told when the police then came and got him, right? The woman said that she was was assaulted in some way. Other bystanders say that he tripped and accidentally grabbed onto her arm when he was falling to kind of try to break his fall, you know, in an elevator, especially an old rickety one. And that's what caused her to be upset. Regardless of that, what ensued afterwards was police going to chase this guy down. They brought him to the courthouse. They put him in jail. And then a white lynch mob showed up. All right. So some of the members of the Greenwood District came over and tried to stop this lynching mob from killing this kid unjustly. There's no no courts, no nothing. They just wanted to show up and kill the guy. Yeah, insane. So a gunfight ensues outside of the courthouse. A couple people are shot, and then the black people who had come to protect him had to retreat to the Greenwood District at this point. Well, that lynch mob got bigger, and they came back, and they came back in a big way. At the end of this thing, they had massacred. The official number was 36, but the real number was closer to 300. Killed 300 black people. Man, and I'm not just on the, not just on the level of like going in and shooting people or chasing people down and beating them. I'm talking going in, chasing down women and children, shooting women and children, shooting men, shooting everybody. But taking it, taking it one step further to the fact where they used biplanes with incinerary devices in them and dropped them on the businesses. So they burned this town down completely to the ground in an effort to squash these horrible people from <laughs> uprising. Right. So all of this went by. But here's why I bring it up. I did. I. Like, I know there's people out there, oh, this would never happen again. This could never happen again. Well, violence is happening again. But I bring it up for this because this story points to why racism happens and continues to happen and why why there is violence towards black people. Oklahoma schools didn't talk about it at all. It wasn't in any of the history books. Nothing. Swept completely under the rug. The only way this was making it forward was through word of mouth. So white society in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and surrounding areas in Oklahoma made a concerted effort to just kind of get rid of this story, you know? And and that's why I bring it up, is because when you look at things that are going on for a long time, hiding history hurts. And for a long time, white people have been hiding a lot of history. And the more you can kind of make these stories known and apparent, the more you can realize what kind of a-holes people were in the past and how we can be better than those a-holes instead of repeating the same damn mistakes that they've repeated for hundreds of years. So it's a little serious, not Corona talk, but I bring it up. Wow. Well, I'm happy you did because I think last Monday was the 99th anniversary. And... I think you just educated the audience about this more than the school systems in PA did, too. I mean, I didn't learn about that in school. You told me about this a while ago. You're the one who who taught me about this, Brian, before 
it's not something I was taught. It's not something a lot of people are taught. And there's actually a really good Twitter thread. I'll see if I can dig it up and maybe retweet it before the end of the show. Where there's a whole bunch of race massacres that yeah. never got taught in school. And yeah. you can go through and you can click on these articles about these. And it's the whitewashing of history to where we think... And, and it's with a lot of different things, too, right? Christopher Columbus comes over, yeah. and, oh, he sails the ocean blue, and then murdered all these Native Americans, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Can, we, can, we, can we call it what it is? Like, what, why do we have to pretend like we got here justly? And why do we have to pretend like we got here in history justly? Why in the South in particular was... It taught that it was states' rights that was what the Civil War was about, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, okay, okay it, it was, but uh, yeah, the but, state but, right but, to but, own humans is property. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what was the state right you were trying to fight for? <laughs> right. So let's call it what it is. I mean, a country built on a lot of racial imp- oppression, a, a lot of genocide, and... You know, it doesn't. We don't have to run from that. Just, just accept it, teach it, and then that way history isn't doomed to repeat itself. Because you do hear all the time in this country, "Well, I don't see racism, so racism doesn't exist." Uh, okay, well, maybe if you were taught all the things that have happened over the course of our country's history, you wouldn't feel like that. And that's the thing. And you hit it on the head with like, "Hey, we got here justly." The, the as long as you think we got here the right way, there's nothing to change. Everything's good. Why would the greatest country in the world, <laughs> the the country that beat the evil empire oh, who, was, yeah. who was just oppressing us, America? Why would the, why beating that evil empire just oppressing us and putting us down, not letting us be free, and we had to beat them to come here and become our own empire? But we did it justly. Look. I, there's nowhere else in this world that I'd rather live than America, but we did not get here just. <laughs> we got here in a very horrible way, and it doesn't just stop with, with black lives. It's, it's with Native American lives. It's with Indian lives. It's with colonies across the ocean. It's with Filipino lives. It's with a lot of lives. We are an empirical country, and we've got to understand that to move forward from being that we've got to understand that our past reflects what we are right now to the rest of the world i mean and and we need to understand that to get past that we need to recognize it say it was wrong and then get it done i mean we still have territories what's what is that about the puerto rico like what are we doing there like is that a state or not decide don't just make it a territory and say yeah we have affiliation with it but it's not completely a state yet it can't do all the things that you know our other states can do they can't vote in our elections or anything like that but the policies that those politicians those policies that those politicians that get in office oh you better bet your damn ass that it's going to affect puerto rico because you're our territory but you can't vote for those people because you're not a state the story of, I mean, even in sports, like Jim Brown, what, I don't think he was a good guy um, through people, women through you know third-story balconies, but the things he had to deal with from a racial standpoint, I don't know if enough people know about. And people know and read about Jackie Robinson, and they think, oh, Pee Wee Reese, what a nice guy he was. Put his arm around him. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Pee Wee Reese really went out there. Wow. I mean, we, it's almost it's almost taught through that spectrum, right? Like, what a nice guy Pee Wee was <laughs> to bring Jackie Robinson on, the white guy, right? Woo! How about what Jackie Robinson had to endure from death threats and getting, I mean, Tory Hunter is dealing, dealt with it throughout his career in the, in the 2000s. Dude legitimately and, and said he Jackie doesn't go to Boston. in the 40s, he's right. He, the only place he wouldn't get traded, Tory yep. Hunter, was Boston. Yep. Because he heard the N-word, and the Red Sox released a statement today saying we had to actually suspend five fans, <laughs> reprimand seven fans, excuse me, because they used racially charged language this year. Like, we need to teach the what actually happened and not the child version of what happened, not the fairy tale version of what happened, okay? Because you want to move on from terrible atrocities that the country has perpetrated. You can't do that without readily admitting what the perpetrated things were, for God's sake. Yeah, instead we get it's all Honest Abe and George Washington chopping down cherry oh, trees. Happy yeah. times, right? Hell yeah. Let's get here. You know who chopped down George Washington's cherry tree? Oh, no, don't say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get where you're going, man. You're not kidding. God, but he had wooden teeth, and he uh, sailed across the river uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah, I've actually visited Mount Vernon, the plantation on which he lived. Ouch. You know? I mean, just get with it. it, it we're not right. we got to change things. we got to do things better. And... If you want to ignore history, that'll just make things worse. I've learned more from drunk history than I have from... Great show. Great show. Oh, I love that show. Yep. Katie Nolan was on there really good. She was really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was hammered drunk. Hammered. Hammered drunk. Hammered drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Narduzzi did not get canceled for the use of the word thug and... I feel like the racial conversation we just had, uh, this uh, was a good jumping-off point. I think it's good that Pat Narduzzi didn't get canceled. And I think it's important that we don't cancel everybody. I'll get into that. Yes, that's right. Lighthearted end of the show next on ESPN Pittsburgh. Enjoy comfort that's built to last with a new train heating and cooling system. At Train, they test so it runs. For a limited time, you can get a great deal on a qualifying new train system. Visit traininfo.com to find your local dealer. That's traininfo.com. It's hard to stop a train. They just uh, saved Private Ryan, guys. They got him? Yeah. It's not over yet, though. Well, no, I mean, they're at the bridge now, but... Oh, I hate that part. I cry every single time whenever they get back to present day or, you know... What, oh, when the old man's bawling his eyes out? Every time. It's I impossible not to not cry when you see that old man crying. It's impossible. <laughs> I always focus on his granddaughters behind. I'm you hard. son of a I'm bitch. I know. You son I'm of crying. a bitch. That dead. man was a hero. I mean, a fictional hero, mind you, but a hero. That guy the beach so you could climb that girl. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the actors that they used. Oh I'm putting this on right now. <laughs> Let me see what we got here. I do get teary-eyed with her when uh, Tom Hanks actually dies. Oh, that sucks, yeah, too. Yeah, me, too. Yeah, it's terrible. Weird. It's so bad. How about when Diesel goes down? They got claws actually, actually, it was his own fault. I mean... when they, I know it was. He was trying to help the kid, though. When they when they get the, when they get the dock. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Great movie. That band of Brothers. What's his face? I forget his name because I'm spacing it, but I love how he's like... He was always, we're, in, we're in business! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sergeant. Uh. 
This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. Your home of the Steelers. We're excited about getting the job done, obviously. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, 1047 HD2, the iHeartRadio app. And now on the new and improved signal in Allegheny County, 1063 FM. The Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No! I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen to no! me just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. I didn't see this from Rob Manfred. He said there's 100% going to be baseball in 2020. But he said that the owners are about to come forth with a counter proposal. And he says he's hoping the players' union's going to come off their fully prorated stance. So wait, how does he know there's going to be How does baseball? he know what the players are going to do? <laughs> how does he know there's baseball then? He knows there's going to be baseball because he can mandate that they all have to play and it would be like a 48-game, 50-game prorated season. He could mandate that. There just wouldn't be expanded playoffs, which is why he doesn't want to go that way and the owners don't want to go that way, and the players probably, truthfully, don't want to go that way either. Um, so he he holds the key. I mean, there's if they cannot come to an agreement, he would be able to just make the call. But what gives the owners the thought that the players are going to come off the prorated thing? <laughs> what they're not they're not going to. It's the one it's the one thing that the players feel like they've agreed to. So like. Make it 60 games or 65 games prorated, but the players aren't coming off that. The players feel like that's already been agreed to. So that's a non-starter, and it's been a non-starter the entire time. I mean, is is the idea of a strike completely off the table? No. Like, he forces them to come back? I mean, I don't know why he's so optimistic about this. Like, get the deal done, because if the... They have to give that up. They're not coming back. They're not going to. Especially if they're forced to. Like I'm sure they're going to be really excited to get back into work during a pandemic as they're being forced to go in and do it. And they're not going to give up, like Carly said, what they already agreed to or think is agreed to. Well, if Manfred says, okay, 50 games prorated, they have to do it unless they were to strike. Which they might. I really think they would. The whole 2021 labor situation is is driving all this because no neither side wants to be seen as the loser i'd imagine that manfred doesn't want to push that button doesn't want to say okay you're coming back it's 50 games which again leads me to believe you're going to get to 70 72 games somewhere like that and it's going to be prorated but you're going to have the deferred salaries i mean you guys have been around the show obviously part of the show for the entire pandemic and I've been saying the whole damn friggin' time. It's going to be 70-ish games, and it's going to be prorated, and then you're going to defer the bigger-time players' salaries. That's where they're going to wind up! 
Just cut to the chase, damn it. Anyway, very, I'm very upset. No, man, I mean, I just, you're, you're right. took off my pirate's hat. You're right, though, dude. Professional negotiators know where things are going to lie. These guys do this for a yes. living. One comes high, one comes low. Yeah, we play the round until we get to where everybody's happy. Everybody knows where they're happy. Get there. I told Jens I wanted to talk about Pat Narduzzi. He was not canceled, and that's the right move. I'm sure Tom wishes he was canceled because he doesn't oh think he's a great God. football coach. Get out of there, please. Any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's very <laughs> that's very the crucible of you, Tom. <laughs> Get the coach out of here because he because he said the word thug. I don't want this coach around because he's a bad coach. But I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of McCarthyism this dude. <laughs> Tom was pre thug on Narduzzi. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was already calling for the cancel of Pat Narduzzi, and then a bunch of other people just jumped on board with me after the thug comment. You know, not to not to digress here too far, because I do want to get into this Pat Narduzzi thing. You were the first guy to say Hurdle should get fired. Ah, oh, you're right, and I you called were. that. Yep. First guy in Pittsburgh, shirtless dude, behind the mic <laughs> on the Crowley show, said fire Clint Hurdle, and that's what happened. Yeah, look, I mean, I just noticed that this guy's seat should be a lot hotter than it was back then, and it felt like all of these, you know, water carrier carrying the water for the pirates in this town, all the media weren't willing to say the things that needed to be said. Hurdle was a terrible manager. He needed to go. Narduzzi's a terrible coach. He needs to go, and he's a little racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy he wasn't canceled. I think that's the right move. If you don't know what happened, last week on Twitter, former Pitt linebacker Elias Reynolds accused Pat Narduzzi of referring to opponents as thugs and then talking about current players on the team as thugs if they wore hoodies or had long dreads and things of that nature. So then on June 8th, two days ago, Pat Narduzzi released this statement, quote, I want to address the word thug and its use in our program. Simply put, it's not allowed. Last season I learned how the word and what it suggests has changed. Through our regular discussions in our weekly Players Leadership Council, our players shared their feelings on that word. Our program understands it will not be part of our vocabulary, end quote. Now, I said I was happy he didn't get canceled. I wrote a blog about it today, ESPNPGH.com, and somebody jumped up in my mentions and said, Crowman, it's easy for him to release a statement now and pretend like he's learned something because he got caught. Well, I think the nuance here is pretty important. Pat Narduzzi had to release the statement because he got caught but his players had a meeting with him last year saying yo dude it doesn't mean what you think it means and there's some racially charged stuff behind this and pat narduzzi felt bad about it so he said yeah we can never use this word again in our program he learned about this last year this isn't like he just decided oh thug's bad not going to use it now that he got caught that's not what happened and i think it's important to make that distinction and also pat narduzzi's use of the word thug didn't come from a place of hatred but a place of ignorance and there's a difference between overt intended racism and what is insensitive and born out of not knowing. And it seems like Narduzzi has learned his lesson. And I think it's an important lesson. Racism isn't always as obvious as a Klansman donning a hood. Racism comes in many shapes and sizes, intended and unintended. And Narduzzi is not the only sports figure who is learning right now. Instead of speaking out against racism, Drew Brees used an interview with Yahoo Business, of all places, to talk about the flag in the National Anthem. And he was shouted down because what he said helped detractors move the goalposts in an uncomfortable racial conversation. Brees has apologized, and then he apologized, and he apologized, and he took out the president, then his wife apologized, and I think he's done so. We talked about this at the same time yesterday because he understands that he inadvertently derailed a very important conversation that's bigger than him. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio said that he didn't think that there was any racism in the NFL, 
But then he had to apologize because his experiences reflected a very narrow-minded worldview. Drew Brees wasn't cut from the Saints. Vic Fangio remains employed by the Broncos. Pat Narduzzi wasn't canned of head coach of the Panthers. Uh, I wrote a blog a few weeks back talking about education. I think that African Americans are currently experiencing their Me Too movement, which means that overt racisms are going to be outed in the coming days and months. And guys like Donald Sterling, who was canceled before, will be canceled again. And guys like Narduzzi, Drew Brees, and Vic Fangio, I think they should be educated about the unintended meaning of their words, and they should be taught that their worldview doesn't represent the only or majority worldview. And it's important that there is that distinction made. Overt racists, goodbye. People who are just systematically racist but can be tweaked and changed and educated and learned, I think those guys can remain to have their jobs, and then I think they can teach the proper way to do things. I think that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, it is really nice to see him, you know, tr- kind of grow as a person. I just hope that he can grow as a coach now, moving forward. And you know, oh maybe part of that is instead of you know kicking a field goal on fourth and one against your arch rival in their own house, you go for it because you're only one yard away from Thank the end you. zone and yeah. tying the game. That's a good talk. I'm happy we're having it. Way to be a part of the change, Tom. Oh my God. I hate that guy so much. Their defensive line is going to be one of the best in the country this year. If they don't win, that guy should be fired. Buddy, Not because of the thug, but because he sucks. The defensive backs are pretty good, too. That's going to be a hell of a defense. If they play. If they play. <sighs> thought the show was over. <laughs> and... Oh, come on, Crowley. You really going to do this? Right. You're going to let this happen? Oh, my God. He did. That's poor form. I didn't know step on Brian. I didn't know I was going to count down. Step on Brian. All he was doing was right now. Yeah. That's all. I was just waiting for you to land the plane, but it's good to know that if this he was a plane, his, we'd all be dead right he now. He put his hands up and closed his eyes yeah. while the plane was about to hit the runway. Yeah. It's like 10 feet, 5 feet. I'm out. <laughs> Tomorrow on the show, I'm sure we'll be discussing whatever offer Major League Baseball's owners put out there that's incredibly <laughs> insulting the players. And we'll also be talking about which player is going to underachieve for the Pittsburgh Pirates that gets drafted number seven overall in tonight's draft. Uh, so baseball tomorrow, uh, even though we don't have baseball. Peace. You're so bad at that. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. Your home of the Steelers. We're excited about getting the job done, obviously. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, 1047 HD2, the iHeartRadio app. And now on the new and improved signal in Allegheny County, 1063 FM. So you land this plane. Yeah, you're like in a you're like in a show landing slump. Like you can't quite hit it right. I mean we've hit a I don't few have a clock here there. in front of me. I mean, I have two. My clock on my phone is a little on my laptop. I mean. It's not one damn clock. Wait, wait. More importantly, before you go, Crowley, who do you think the Pirates are picking? Pitcher? You think they're going to go pitcher? I would hope that that Gonzalez guy, the shortstop, falls to that. Uh, you want to go shortstop? Nice. We're giving up on Cole Tucker already? No, I mean, you just take the best player. He, he hit like 440 in college. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I want that guy. That's good. ESPN Pittsburgh.